Uh, we're blessed to have uh, Pastor Mark Epperson sharing the message with us this morning. So, Mark, if you would come. Thank you, Bryce. Morning. It's a privilege to be here this morning speaking, if only to get to take that mask off. I can stand up here for a while without that. Um, take your Bibles. Bryce asked me uh, several weeks ago uh, if I wanted to do whatever somewhere else or pick up and mark where you are. And so that's what we're going to do. So I'll throw you a curve and say turn to John chapter 14 first. Put your finger there and then turn to Mark chapter 1. Would you pray with me? As we begin, Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I pray that today would be um, a day of hearing, God, from you by your Holy Spirit. God, that is my desire this morning that you would be seen and heard, and God, that we would be touched. Uh, in our hearts and minds and souls and uh, our inner man, our, our true self, God, by you. That we would leave here changed because you have spoken. Um, God, I ask you to do those things by your power and not the power of man. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning I want to give you, um, I'll tell you what, let's just jump in. Um, we're going to be in John in just a moment. So Mark 1, let's just pick this up. I believe we're, uh, I hope we're starting in verse 16 because that's where I'm starting. We're going to read these two passages together, or not together, I'll read them for you as you read along. And we want to connect these two as we uh, jump off this morning. So beginning in Mark chapter 1, verse 16, as he was going along, and I could stop there and just talk about that because it's so casual. As he was going along, by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. I want to, this morning as we um, go through this message, I want to give you three things uh, that following Christ will demand in our lives and follow that up with six character qualities. And we'll look at those very briefly, so don't get worried. We won't be that long. Six character qualities of a Christ follower. Because this invitation of Jesus today, then and now, is to follow me. So we're going to look at what it means to follow me. Now, if you look over in John 14, if you're there, Jesus is speaking to His disciples again. He says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Which is another fascinating statement. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then verse 4 and you know the way where I am going. And you know the way where I am going. So we're looking at knowing this way and following Him. There's a connection between these two. 
Jesus has just suggested to His followers then and now for us today that while it is in fact He who will go away to His Father's house, to heaven, and prepare a place for us and then return and receive us to Himself one day, He makes this odd statement that at least uh, for the disciples that day it was very odd when He says, and you know the way where I'm going. And why do we know this is odd? Because it causes at least one of his followers, and my soulmate Thomas, one of his followers, and, I, and I'm just imagining here, to throw up his hand when Jesus says, and you know the way where I am going, he throws up his hand, and with every bit of confusion that a face can express, says what most probably all the other disciples that were sitting there were wondering as well. Lord, he says in verse 5, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus has just told him, you know the way. And he says, we don't even know where you're going. And you expect us to know the way? To which Jesus responds, I am the way. And the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And in that response, Jesus tells His followers then and now precisely where our ultimate destination, what the pinnacle, if you will, is to be and how we're to get there. What does He first say? He says, no one comes to whom? The Father. You see, that is our ultimate destination is to be back in a relationship, back restored to the Father. That is our destination. It is the Father's heart and will that we, His creation, be reunited with Him. I've said this so many times before. God wants to take us back to Eden. Where we walk with Him. Where we know His presence. Where we hear His voice. Where we, we are in a perfect relationship with Him. Healthy parents do not want or excuse me, want their children at home with them. Can I just say that? Healthy parents want their children at home with them. And I, I use this, I, I tell you, if you, uh, you don't, may not care for the music, you may not care for the style because it's certainly 80s. I know Keith and, I mean, uh, uh, Steve and Christine will appreciate Keith Green. If you, you'll do yourself a favor, and if you don't, you just say, that was terrible. And look up Keith Green's Prodigal Son Suite. It's about 10, it's 12 minutes long. If you like that kind of a classical orchestra music, you'll love that part of it. But he has written such a beautiful story. I, I tell you, I get tears every time I hear this song about the prodigal son because it, this, the message itself is so powerful. Because we see a father here. And I just want to share this. You don't even have this on the wall, so just follow along. I'm so, Luke's, I think, the only gospel that records this for us. What a precious gift. But when he came to his senses, we'll pick up the story there. When this prodigal son who left everything to go live in the world and have, live it up... But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, and this is a very rehearsed statement that he has. I really believe he has put this to memory. He has practiced this. And I'll tell you why in a second. Father, this is him saying, I'm going to go to him and this is what I'm going to say. Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. 
And I just think this is amazing. I love this, this, these buts in here because they mean uh, a, you know, a contrary statement, kind of an interruption in what's going on. So he got up and came to his father, and actually he's heading toward his father, but these are words that are there in the Greek, so they're fascinating. They're not just in included for us to make sense. They're actually there in the Greek. But while he was a still a long way off, what does a father do? This father, our father, saw him and felt compassion for him. That's, this is the heart of God, to be restored to us, to be in a relationship, to have the kids home. And he ran. This is the father now. He's running toward his kid. And, you know, dad's the... A nor, I say a normal dad would just be going like, all right, what do you want now? And just sitting there waiting, just like waiting to bust his chops or something. But he runs to him because he's so moved with compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him exactly what he had practiced. It's repeated. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's as far as it gets. Because there's another but. He didn't, he didn't get to the part about make me like one of your hired men. But the father said to his servants, his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf, kill it and let us eat and do what? Celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. <laughs> it's come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. That's the Father's heart. For every one of us, for every one of His creations, to be in a right relationship, to have us be restored to Him. And the reality is it's not, what he can, not for why He can get what He can get out of it, but it's for what we can get out of it. That is the love of God. We love people because of how it makes us feel. God loves us because of how it makes us feel. Back to our present thought. So... Jesus says our destination is to go back to the Father. No one comes to the Father, and He says, but through me, the way, the truth, and the life. So our destination and the way to get there. Back to the Father through Jesus Christ. It is the only way. Interesting side note is to this way, and that is that, and you may know this, but the early church was referred to as the way. And if actually you're reading through the book of Acts, you'll come across several references to the church being called the way. Um, so then, the personal invitation of Jesus himself to teach us then is this, follow me because he is in fact the way. So we are going to see what does it look like to follow him? We all need to know if we are. You need to leave here today. My prayer desire is, God, would you help everyone in this room today know, leave knowing, at least knowing, they are or they are not following you. And we need to be honest with ourselves. So allow me to point out three of these, what I would call just demands of following Christ upon our lives today. Number one is this, that it will transform us. Following Him, following Christ will transform us. They were fishermen, this account tells us. And he says, I will make you become, which we're going to look at this in just a moment if we have this, I will make you become fishers of men. Isn't that fascinating? You're not going to make you a fisher of men. And, and that could be a, a representative of, of many different transformations that are going to take place in our lives. 
things that He is going to take away out of our lives as far as poor qualities, poor characters, things that don't honor Him, things that are not pleasing to Him. If I'm uh, someone who is a, is a, a gossiper or I'm an angry person, He's going he's to glean those things out of us. He's going to transform us from the inside out. In this statement, and I'm, Shirley uh, Bowen, so many of you remember Shirley, bless her heart, and uh, we love her dearly. Um, do we have that? What's the next slide look like? Can you put all those? I don't think you can see that. Can you see those bolts? Yeah, you can. They're yellow. Is that right? Nice. We're going to do an exercise, and I encourage you to do this from sometimes. Shirley taught me this. She said, you know, read a passage of Scripture, and as you read it every time, just reread it and emphasize the, different, the, the next word. It's a very, it just, I want you to do this with me. So we're going to do this out loud. I, don't you hate that? I do. I hate it. Bryce, I hate it when you do that. Um, but I thought I'll make you feel comfortable and we'll do it because we always do it now. Read each of these emphasized words to me in this statement. I will make you become fishers of men. 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 Interesting when you focus on the emphasizing a different word, how it begins to just go, oh, and takes on some very interesting meanings. He's going to change us from the inside out. I'm not going to be the same. Can I just say it as simply as that? That if I have come to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I've trusted Him for the forgiveness of my sin and want Him to change me from the inside out. He's going to change you from the inside out. It will not just possibly happen. It might happen. It, it will happen. It's a great confirmation of whether or not you truly are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if all I can say is that when I was nine years old, uh, I remember they prayed with me to, to ask Jesus to forgive me my sins and come into my heart. And my life has never changed. My heart has never changed. My desires have never changed. I used to say there's a good chance. I'll go so far, and I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes, but that's okay. I'll just not repeat myself. Most probably you have not come to know the life-changing Christ. Because He will change you. you. It's a double negative. You cannot not change. Because it's not you changing you. He changes you. This is a transformation that will take place. It's a demand upon us. And it's you know, not us doing it. It's just what's going to happen. Secondly, to, to follow Christ will require us to leave some things behind. It says they left everything. All of a sudden, fishing didn't mean anything. Things change, which is our third point, which I'll get to in just a moment. Sometimes they're familiar things. They're things that we're comfortable with in our lives that He is going to require us to leave behind. Sometimes they're good things. I remember those lyrics to that song that just came to my mind years ago. Sometimes he asks us to stop what we're doing when we think it's what I do best. But I'll follow you. Sometimes he's going to ask us to leave behind familiar things. Sometimes it's going to be specific things. Specific things that God's going to ask me to yield up to him. Things that may not even be a bad thing, but it's something that he knows in my heart and life needs to be let go. That I may go, really God? And we may have long conversations over it. God, what? I don't get it. There's God, nothing to your word about that. And it's, but it's something He knows is, needs to be gone from my life. That's hard to understand. And we think, well, surely not. But we learn to hear His voice as we're transformed by Him. It's going to require us to leave some things behind. I'm just going to touch on that briefly. 
I will give you an illustration, though. In Luke verse uh, chapter 18, there's a, a rich young man who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We're talking about leaving some things behind. And a ruler questioned him with this question. Jesus said, you know the commandments. Jesus, his response, and I've said this so many times, his response to this young man was absolutely brilliant. What must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus comes to him. He knows his heart already. He knows where this young man is, and he says, you know the commandments. Because he is a good guy. He really is a good guy. You know any good guys, good gals? The world's full of good people. But not righteous people in Christ. Self-righteous people, just good, nice people. He was one of them. He says, Jesus says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. And if you know your Ten Commandments well, these are the bottom man-to-man commands. Okay? He, he skips the top four. Jesus goes straight to the ones that are man-to-man about not committing adultery, not murdering, not stealing, not bearing false witness against the neighbor, honoring your father and mother. These man-to-man. And this guy goes, I've done all those things. I'm a good guy. He says, I've kept all these things from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, He said to him where he was heading all along to bring this young man to a point of understanding what it was that he was going to have to leave behind. One thing you still lack. And he took him to the very first of the commands. Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven. And then these words come, follow me. He needed to deal with something that was going to have to be left behind. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard... And I've often thought Jesus was talking to his disciples here until I read this in Luke. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Can you imagine how penetrating that was to this young man? It's like cutting to his heart with a knife. For it is easier, Jesus said, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those that were there heard it and said, kind of like, then who can be saved? And Jesus makes this amazing statement, but he said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God because God transforms people. And he changes us. I can't change me. But he says, the impossible things... I can even change a wealthy man into a God-fearing, God-loving, God-desiring man or woman because God is able to do all things. The ultimate thing, listen, if you take nothing else away today, take this away. The ultimate thing that God will require and demand us to leave behind are our gods. And this man's God was his wealth. And Jesus went straight to the first command and said, you'll have no other gods before me. Take everything you have and give it to the poor and then come. And follow me, and he could not do that. Whether those gods are things, possessions, people, self, you know, our self is a great God. Whatever it is we care more about, love more than Christ Himself, are those gods in our lives that He will deal with, and He will transform you, and He will take those away. Actually, He will lead you to surrender them, He will not take them away. This young man had great wealth and was unwilling to part with this wealth of his, what it was going to cost him to come and follow me. The last or the third thing this morning about these demands upon us of being a Christ follower is that it will change, uh, it will call for a change of direction. 
It says they left everything and went away. This is the idea of repent. To turn from where they had been to what was new, what was uh, 180, if you will, in life. They, they left and followed him. And there's a time element here. It's immediately. Mark loves this word immediately. The Gospel of Mark. Mark, he, he uses immediately often. It means exactly what it says. They did not wait to think about, hmm, what about, what about, what about? And it's very fascinating. You get from this idea that Jesus just walked up to these two guys fish and said, come follow me, and they just dropped everything and left. Luke gives us a greater scene of what's really taking place. And just in a nutshell, Peter has, uh, Jesus came to the shores there, and there were crowded of people all crowding around him. And Peter's boat's there, and John's boat's over there. And Jesus sees Peter's boat, and he goes, hmm, I'm going to use your boat, guy. And he gets in Peter's boat, and they go out a little bit, and Jesus Jesus teaches for a while. So Peter's just kind of like soaking in this teaching. Okay? And then when he gets through teaching, he tells Peter, he says, Peter, let's go out into the deep water, casting your nets. And, and, and Peter's like, we fished all night. You, you remember this. We fished all night. We didn't catch anything. But I'll do what you say. Because he had just been hearing the preaching or the teaching, if you will, of God with skin. And it was making an impact in his life. So he goes out and catches, and you know the story. This haul of fish comes in, and John, James, they were partners. You didn't even know they were partners in the fishing industry. They all come over, and they're all loading up their boats, and they're about to sink. Their nets are breaking. It's a great scene. And after that, Jesus says, come follow me. And immediately they left. They're like, they left everything and followed him. So there's this time. It's important for us to, to realize, Jesus said, for t- today is the day of salvation. If God is dealing with your heart today about whatever it is, don't wait till tomorrow. Make, keep short accounts with God, man. Just stop. Go alone. Get alone. Go wherever you need to go to, get, to let God deal with your heart and be in a short relationship in that sense with Him. And by change of direction, I'm really referring to a change of what I will call life motivation. In other words, you no longer want to settle for life as you have always known it and only known it to be. You want more of who God is and what He wants in your life. You want to live for Him, not you. And we need to understand that if nothing else this morning, again, I'm going to use one of those if you don't take anything else away this morning, may it be uh, this impact on your journey. That He brings about these wants. He brings about these wants in your life. Not you. And not me. These desires, these, this desire for a life motivation change. And I say, that sounds so, that sounds so self-actualized, doesn't it? It's just a life passion. You know, life, I wouldn't even put it any other way. Just a, why are you living? What are you living for? That motivation, that, cha- that changes. He is a part of this transformation. He's going to call for a change of direction in my life. And I'm not living for what I used to live for. I'm living for what He wants to do in my life and through my life. I want to please and honor Him. You've heard me say very many times that I will not wake up tomorrow morning and turn to, uh, to Lee and calmly explain to her that I've come to a decision at last. I don't like chocolate anymore. I can't make that happen. i got candy bars in my cabinet right now. Puts, oh, I had one yesterday with peanut butter and graham crackers. It's hard to get graham crackers these days. I love chocolate. I can't just say all of a sudden, you know, I don't like chocolate anymore. I just don't think I do. I'm just making that decision. I can't change that. Any more than I can change my life motivation. He has to do that. I have to respond to him when he nudges And when he puts that in my heart, we have to respond to him. 
When I was nine years old, and I mentioned this earlier as a nine-year-old, I want to just share my, my, the, the life change in my, my own heart. Is it? And I would encourage you to know that when you come to Christ, you don't have to be a theologian. In fact, I'll be very candid with you. I came to Jesus on very selfish terms, which is impressive to me beyond, to no end, is that the mercy and the grace and the compassion of our Father knows our hearts. And so when this little nine-year-old kid who'd been stealing cigarettes and looking at pornography in the ditches and all other kinds of junk and stuff had a dream that God gave him one night about himself and where he was destined, where my, where my current, at that point, destination was going to be, and it would have been the, the, hell, the fires of hell. I just share with you exactly what my dream was. And I came up out of that dream terrified. And I did not want to go to hell, and that's what I was yelling out at the probably the top of my lungs as it brought mom and dad into my room. And they said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't want to go to hell. That was a nine-year-old's heart. That was my desire. That was my motivation as a nine-year-old child. I knew. But I will say this. I also saw my sinfulness and my brokenness before God. And when mom shared with me the, the redeeming Christ and his death on the cross for my sins and That was exactly what I wanted. Jennifer? Sorry. I remember asking Jennifer that question. Probably 20 years ago now. And with tears in her eyes and tears in my eyes, yeah, that's what I want. So I prayed this simple prayer, truly, of asking Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I wanted Him to be my Savior and come and live in me. I woke up the next morning an absolutely new kid. Not something that a nine-year-old could psychosomatically talk himself into thinking, you know, I'm I'm clean now. I'm different. I was clean. I was clean. I was free. And it was very real. And from that moment on, I've been perfect. Let's pray. (laughs) That's my story. (laughs) Is that not true or not? And he is faithful. And he began to transform. So you come to a point when you're his. And I grew up like a lot of other young people, and I made mistakes, but the difference now was that I was sorry before God, and I had a genuine sorrow before God when sin was in my life. Where before, not a problem. Just don't get caught. But now that... The Holy Spirit is the worst, best thing that ever happens to us because He comes and lives in us and He wants to lead and guide us and He is convicting of sin in our lives because He does not want that in our lives because it stands between us and our Father and breaks that, breaks that relationship down. So, let's move along. Those are three of the changes that Christ will bring about in a true follower's life. Now I want to close with just looking at these six characteristics of a true follower of Christ. I want to draw some analogies from a recent trip that I had the privilege of uh, making with Lee and uh, some other friends to uh, fish the South Holston River in uh, Bristol, Tennessee. And Jamie Barnett, who I'm doing a paint job for, uh, introduced me to the South Holston River. And he actually was able to work it out on his journeys to be there for a day while we were there. And so he and I, uh, I sat under his uh, fly fishing tutelage there on the South Holston River, which is one of the top five trout fishing streams in the entire country. 
in Bristol, <clears throat> Tennessee, not Virginia. Um, just pointing that out. You should go sometime. It's a beautiful part of the country. So I'm going to give you these six things as I draw from them some analogies as I was in that river there with uh, Jamie on that particular day. And um, the first one is this, and that is as we follow Christ, okay, I'll continue to make these analogies and connections for us. We need to be teachable. We need to be teachable. The second point I'm going to give you in just a second ties in very closely to this. As we entered into the water that day, I mean, you know, this uh, Jamie's had the privilege of uh, having a lot more experience in fly fishing than I have, and so I'm just amazed at the, some of the skills and some of the things that you just you don't really realize or are aware of. So as we entered into the water that day, you know, I'm, I'm, you're watching? You ever watch Jesus? I encourage you, read the Gospels. Just read the Gospels and have a, just have a bead on Jesus. What is he saying? What is he doing? How is he responding to people and situations? Just watch Jesus. Imitating. When someone's really good at something, you want to imitate what they're doing. Right? So I'm going to be teachable. You know, it's so, sometimes we're so proud and stubborn. We're like, wow, well, uh, I think if I just do it this way over here. Man, if the dude's catching fish, be smart. <laughs> imitate to the best of your ability. Do it. We're sitting there in one part of the river, and it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, I won't, I won't even try to explain, I'll be brief here. Nobody's catching much. I mean, it was a tough time. No one's catching any fish. Until the teacher says, here, let's try this. Pulls out, and I've, I'm going to show you in just a minute, not yet. I think we've got a picture coming up, Chris, here in a minute. You will, I'm getting ahead of myself here too. Not only can you barely put them in your finger. I'm telling you a story. I'm not going to do this for everybody, so you just feel me be lucky. What's there? Yeah, I know. So that's... Oh, my. It's a, it's a size... Anybody, any fishermen here? Size 26 hook, okay? Actually, I've got 28s here. And we'll get to this in just a moment. But when the teacher says, here, let's put one of these on. And, uh, <laughs> and then he puts on this 9X leader on my line. Uh, he was kind enough to say, here, let me have your rod. And he re-rigged my rod as we're standing there in the river. And he puts on... It's, you know, 6X, 4X, 2X, and then puts on about a foot of 9X. 9X is a pound, 1.5 pound test. I mean, it's like, it's like hair. Literally, it's like hair. Not my hair. It's like hair. And he says to me, now listen, you don't set the hook with this. This is all about learning, isn't it? This is what Christ wants to do in us. He said, you don't set the hook with this. Listen, you just put, pull pressure back on it. Guess who didn't do that? Well, you set the hook, man. You got to set the hook. I set the hook and that line just went ding. That little, nine, little one and a half pound test. This kind of leads me not only to be teachable, but leads me to the second point, which is very important with this. That is to be humble. You and I don't know how to do it. You realize this with our walk with Christ and our following, we don't know how to do it. He will help you. He will teach you by His Spirit but we need to be teachable and we need to be humble. And we, need to, we need to, can I say this? Ask for help. You have that picture? Obviously, you notice that's a dime. 
This is actually a size 26, not the size 28. He gave me one of these to put on my line. Folks, <laughs> it's embarrassing. You can't hardly see the eye for having to pinch the hook. I'm being straight up with you, and I'm sitting here in the stream with other people around, not too many, but some people around. Jamie's about 20 feet away from me. He's just over catching fish with what I'm trying to put on, so I'm like, hurry, hurry. <laughs> it ain't working. It ain't happening. I must have done that. I'm serious. For, for 10 minutes, it had to be 10 minutes. I'm just sitting there going, peel, he says, yeah, if you just pull the little feather things down, hold them down, pinch them, you can probably do it. Teachable. <laughs> Guess what? Jamie, it's embarrassing, but man, I can't do this. He says, here, bring it here. I'm like, how do you do that? He says, I, just practice, whatever. We need to be able to humble ourselves. It's humbling to ask for help, isn't it? Sometimes we need to come to Christ and just say, I need you to help me. Because I can't do this. You need to know, come, go in knowing you can't do it. Thirdly, be a listener. That's hard sometimes. When people are catching some fish around you, God's walking this way, doing that, what's he fishing with? And while Jamie's trying to show you something, tell you something, you're just like looking at fault. There's, the South Holston's got, I think, what is it, 8,500 fish per mile. I'm just telling you, you're all trout in this room, and you're just kind of going, whoop, you're just rising. You're just rising, meaning you know, you're just eating bugs off the surface. And they're just, that's distracting. When you're trying to fish. And when you're, you know, you're standing there, he's just trying to teach you something or show you something, you know, how to tie another knot, you know, which is a great idea. I learned a new knot, but there's a lot of things to be distracted. Aren't there a lot of things to be distracted with in your life and in my life and following Christ? COVID-19 is a huge distraction. And what all that has done to our lives to just get us kind of whacked out, when really it comes down to coming to the Father through Jesus. Spending time at His feet, learning to listen. Learning to, to not worry about other people and what God's doing in their life. And I mentioned this in my last message about Facebook, man. You know, if you can hang it up, hang it up. Hang up a lot of it. If it's causing you to have thoughts of you, you don't have enough, or you need this and you wish you were this, yeah. Be a listener. Fourth, be courageous. I've gone fishing with another young man, trout fishing up the elk in different places. Um, and I don't know exactly how I put this in my notes. Young men help old men cross strong currents. Old men don't help old men. <laughs> so I'm out with a young buck, man. He's, he's worried about me because... This like knocking you over kind of thing, you know. It's one of those when you when you're crossing, you know. You don't want when you're the old guy, you know. You want to be cool and all that stuff. You don't be the guy getting flushed down the stream, you know. So you're you're doing this. I mean, it is like every little step, and he's reaching back, young guy, to give you a hand. And sure enough, I'd grab you. Got to be humble. 
Humble's better than <laughs> going downstream. Humble's better than embarrassed, I guess. So I'd grab his hand. Old men don't help old men. They're just going on. And so when Jamie would go in tough water, now on the South Holston, this, when the sirens sound, because it's below a dam, you got to know you got to pretty much start getting out of the water. Because if you don't, what was ankle deep is going to be almost waist deep, three, three and a half foot rise in a matter of a few minutes. And you won't walk across it. You will swim down it. It's how strong it is. So the sirens go off, giving you about 15 minutes to make sure you're getting out of the water. So, but Jamie crosses this stuff. He's a pretty solid guy, man. He's just, tell, yeah, if you just get right here and you go, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> Be courageous. Sometimes God is going to ask you to do things that you're thinking like, what? You mean like, go talk to that person about you? You mean like, go see if you can actually help them? I'm there yesterday and I'm doing some work. And their car needed the air filter. It wasn't as simple as that, thankfully. I hope I would have gone and helped them. But they were saying some other things, but, and, and it was very pleasantly described with four-letter expletives. And I'm up on a boom painting, and I'm thinking, you know, if I knew exactly what to do, I think I'd go down there and help them try to fix their car. Because he wasn't, and she wanted him to, and it was a war. Maybe I needed to be a little more courageous yesterday and just say, you know what? I don't know about, a lot about cars, but what is it you're needing done? And I may, I may be back there today, and if they're still having car problems, then you pray that I'll do something, that God will do something through me. But we need to be courageous and say, God, I'm going to do this whether I'm happy about it or not because I know this is what you want me to do. There will be times when Christ will lead you to cross stiff currents, follow Him, use the walking stick. Lean on the body of Christ. Use what God has provided. Fifthly, be obedient. Go help them fix the car if that's what God's put on your heart. Be obedient. Yeah, but I just bet if... Uh, just be obedient. When you start trying to talk to yourself and figure out, well, man, maybe, uh, maybe not. Well, what if, but I'm not. Remember Moses, I don't think I can talk good enough. I, be obedient. Just be obedient. As Nike would say, sorry, Nike, or to use them, just do it. And watch what God does in your own heart when you obey Him. And lastly, be patient. With yourself. Jesus is. Magnificently patient. I know He's patient because I know me. He says, I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you become all that I want you to become. But it'll take time. It will take time. If you're here this morning, I'll leave you with this thought. Talking about following Him, talking about being a true follower of Christ. If you were sitting here this morning, here's my question to you. Has Jesus changed you? Has He changed you? Because He says He will. That's, that's, it's, just, it's just fundamental. This is basic. Did I have it all down as a nine-year-old child? No, but He changed me and continued to change me. And He will change you and continue to change you. If you're sitting here this morning and you would call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, can you honestly say He has changed you? You need to be able to put that, you need to be able to verbalize that. How has He changed you? 
If all you have is some decision that you made as a child, etc., and you truly can't put into thought or word how you aren't the same because of Christ in you, then I would go so far as I said earlier that most probably Christ is not in you. Why? Because the Jesus that we see in His Word, the way, the truth, and the life, with all capital letters, will change you from the inside out to look more like Him. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that there would be none here this morning who would leave not knowing. And God, if they are here, God, and they're just saying, you know, I'm not, but I want to be. I challenge you to speak with someone that you know, you believe you know has a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'd love to talk with you. Bryce would talk with you. Many, many would talk with you. Feel free to come tap me on the shoulder. God, I thank you for your word to us today. I pray that you would uh, let us know with certainty and assurance where we are in this following you program, God. And we ask you to use your word by your spirit, O God, in in your precious name we pray.